talk to you guys. Yes, but it's a good thing to do. But you're going to have to remember, so even since it's been a while since I've talked to you, you've got to remember this one fact every time I get up here. I do not have a white beard. Right, a kind of close to white hair, but not a white beard. So that means that when I talk to you, I expect you to respond. Okay? Because um, I'm, I don't just teach line upon line. If you want that, you'll have to come back and hear Keith. Okay? Because that is his strong suit. But I like to just uh, maybe more exhort or tell stories or things that help you in your life very much now and today. So uh, you got to stay hooked with me and you got to stay awake or I'll come back there and maybe sit real close to you like I did in youth. If, if one of the youth were acting up, I never fussed at him or anything. First we'd get him to do, I'm a little teacup, short and stout. Here's my handle in front of the whole class. They loved it. Then if they just kept acting up, I'd say, come on over here, I need to sit by you tonight. And he'd just sit by me, you know, and we'd hug or she'd hug, you know. And they became my pals to turn to all the verses for me that night because they wouldn't quit talking. But there's ways of doing things without hurting people's feelings. So if you're not, we'll do it just the opposite. If you're not talking, I may get to come sit by you. So glory to God. Well, Keith set me up last week. How many of you know I got up and said that? What about the rest of you? Where were you? Okay, how many of you know Keith set me up last week? Yes, because I had been believing God about what we needed to talk about. And it is prayer. And so when he ended the service last week, he talked about, now we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And when he said that, I thought about this verse. So go ahead and put it up on the screen and we'll start there. James 5 Verse 16, and I want to get to the latter part of this verse, but we'll read the whole verse. It says, amplified please. It says, confess to one another, therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed, restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. This is the next part that I want you to get. So everybody just look up there if you don't have an amplified Bible. The earnest heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Dynamic in its working. Now let me read you one other uh, verse on it and then we're going to talk about it in just a minute. Uh, New Living. The very last part of that says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, let me ask you a question. How many righteous people do I have in here this morning? Now, I grew up and words like righteous totally confused me. Righteous and justified and all these big words were never taught where I grew up. I didn't understand them. So when I got around word and faith circles, I was very confused most of the time. And I didn't understand things like that. And they'd say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'd go, "Mm -hmm, yeah, great. Yay. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'd just go along with them and they wouldn't know how dumb I was. You know, if you keep your mouth shut, people think you're smart. It's when you open. But I'd say it. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. But I never really understood what it meant. 
So therefore, I never had any confidence whatsoever to stand for anything or believe for anything or pray for anything because I didn't really understand what it meant to be the righteousness of God in Christ. But let me explain it to you very, very, very simply this morning. How many of you remember the story I told you about my white robe and my puppies and my coffee? How many of you didn't hear that story? Okay, about a third maybe didn't hear it. So I'll tell it again real quickly. Keith was talking about us being righteous. And a couple of weeks ago, I had a great morning this morning, by the way. But a couple of weeks ago, my puppies jumped on me, and I had a cup of coffee, and I was outside, and I spilled it all over my robe, and it got all over it. And how many of you know coffee can stain? Well, so I immediately got it, and I got to the washer, and I poured bleach in there, and it's a white robe. And when I got it out, it was just as white as white could be again. There was a mistake, but when I poured that bleach on it, it became totally white again. That is exactly what righteousness means for you. It means when you got saved, you were washed in red blood and you became white as snow. It means it doesn't matter what you did, you became a total clean slate. Completely clean. It would not matter what Rob had done his whole life. If he had murdered, if he had stolen, if he had had affairs, if he had had killed people, if he had uh, robbed banks, if he had stolen on his taxes, if he had... Let's see what else you could have done, Rob. Um... (laughs) beat people, if he had, you know, beat his wife, if he had, I mean, if he had just done everything under the sun that was just absolutely horrible. The day he got saved and confessed Jesus as his Lord, his chalkboard or his life was just washed white as snow and God did not remember anything he did again. Ever. Ever. Now, if he tried to come to him and say, I knew you when you were robbing banks. You're a sorry scoundrel. Should Rob go? That person is non-existent any longer. Oh, yeah, I used to know that person, but he doesn't exist anymore. He's no longer existent. He died. Hi, I'm Rob. I don't remember that person. He's gone. Well, that's exactly how you are. When you got saved, you became a total new person. It didn't matter what you did in your childhood. It didn't matter how you treated your family, anything. But, but how many of you have been saved over a day? How many of you have been saved over a week? How many of you been saved over a month? How many of you been saved over a year? Over 10 years? Over 20 years? Then guess what? You have sinned again. Do you know it? And that's where the devil plays. 
to begin to tell you that you were unrighteous. Because you know it and I know it. When you get saved, you feel totally clean again. You feel right with God. It's all the days that follow that that confused me. Because the way I was raised was you can't talk to God for yourself because you are too unworthy. You're too big of a mess up. You have to have somebody else talk to God for you because you can't do it. And you have to go to them and confess your sins so that maybe you can do some works and get them straightened out. But you know what? That is not how God set this thing up. Put up 1 John 1, 9 up there for me. Now, when you got saved, you were cleansed from anything you did wrong. So that meant you were cleansed from being wrong in any way and you were made right. Everybody understand that? If you don't, raise your hand. We're going to have a class here. If you don't understand that, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Okay, good. We can go on. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that means even though you got saved 30 years ago, if you sin the day after, if you sin that afternoon, if you sin the next day, if you sin every day since then, what do you have to do? You lay your pillow, your head on the pillow at night and you say, Lord, I messed up today. But I know you said if I would tell you and confess it, I talked bad about them and I shouldn't have. I spent extra on that today and I shouldn't have. I was sure enough flirting with them, wasn't I? Oh, God, help me. I'm sorry. What just happened? You just poured bleach all over yourself. How many of you ladies, when you're cleaning your house, you pour bleach on, get bleach on some of your clothes? Did it ruin it? Did it turn it a different color? Well, that is exactly what is going on with you when you do that. You are being cleansed. And those spots that you had in you, whether they're big spots or little spots or tiny spots or micro spots or huge spots or whopper big spots, they are gone. Thank you, Lord. And you are totally right again. You are. Each and every person is totally right again. But what the devil plays on is you not doing that. Now, why in the world wouldn't we do that? I didn't say that Peggy had to come and tell me any of her sins. The Bible didn't say that. It said, confess your sins to the Lord and He... Wait, put the verse back up there. He 
We, if we confess our sins, it's talking about He is faithful and just. It's not talking about I can forgive her her sins. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. It's talking about Him. Yes. And i got news for you. If she sinned, He knew it. Yes. So you're not hiding it from Him. If Tom sinned today, do you reckon God knows about it? Yes. Can he hide it from him? Yes. How long can he hide it from God? Yes. So, why would we not want to confess it and say, Oh God, I messed up. Just that quick. Please forgive me. How long did that take? Somebody got a stopwatch on their watch? Look at your second hand. Oh, God, I just talked about them. Please forgive me. It won't happen again. Huh? Five seconds. Five seconds. Now, why does the devil work so hard to keep you from saying a five-second sentence? keeps you from having any confidence in your righteousness to go to the Father. He does not want you to be able to confidently go to God for yourself. So He keeps you carrying that guilt around with you. Day after day after day after day after week after month after year. There's been people that's had dispatch with their sisters or their brothers or their mom or their dad or a former employee or a church member. Or, and a lot of it's not even big. The devil don't care how big it is. All he cares about is that you won't say, God, forgive me. Because he knows if he can do that, he can keep you from feeling right. Amen. It does not matter how righteous you are if you feel condemned. Amen. So everybody, let's do this for five seconds. It's going to take us all of five seconds of my time. Every person in here so we can move forward. I don't care if you snapped at your wife, if you kicked your dog, if you stole something. The Bible says, if you say you've never sinned, you call God a liar and he's not a liar. So we know every person has sinned. Maybe not this morning, maybe last month, maybe last year. Maybe you talk short to somebody. Maybe you, to know to do good and do it not is what? Sin. 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 So let's take all of five seconds here so that we can go forward and get things right with God. How about that? Okay? For the rest of you, you might want to do it anyway. Okay? Okay. Close your eyes. Father, I love you. And I really missed it when I... Don't say it out loud. Please forgive me. me. Just like the woman that committed adultery. You said, go and sin no more. I receive that. And I call myself clean. 
Thank you, Lord. Now, how hard was that? It wasn't hard at all. But the devil does not want you to believe that that's all it takes. That makes you right with God. That's all righteousness is. Is you being right with the Father. It doesn't matter if the other person forgave you or not. What matters is if you are right with God. That's all that matters. It's good to fix it with the other people. And you're going to feel better on the inside if you fix it with other people. But it doesn't stop your relationship with the Father. If you confess your sins, then you're clean before Him. And that's what righteousness is. Righteousness just... Righteousness just means I am right with God. Say, for instance, Rob and I had a spat over something. Carrie and I had a spat over something. I went and said, Rob, I'm sorry. I I shouldn't have said that that way. And then, please forgive me. I shouldn't have done it that way. I should have said it like this. We're okay again. That's how long it takes. We're right again. That's the way it is with your father. And then he doesn't even remember it anymore. He doesn't even remember it anymore. He doesn't even remember it anymore. So when you go back to him this afternoon and you say, Oh, God, I missed it again on that. He's going to say, What? (laughs) What are you talking about? He's going to say, I, I don't remember that. That's right. this, this is the first time that ever happened, right? That's right. First time you ever did that. Amen. You never did that before. That's right. This is the first time. Because it's just like, have you ever... Now, here's your good one. This, we'll put this in real modern day here. Have you ever been on your computer and you didn't mean to delete something? How many of you? Uh huh. And you deleted it. And you looked for it, 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 and you couldn't find it. What happened to it? It was gone. It disappeared. It went into outer space. It went into techie land. It is gone. Do you understand? God is not a computer. But when he says he deleted something, it is deleted. It went in the trash bin, then it double deleted, it triple deleted, it's gone forever. It's off the hard drive, it's gone. And you can't take it to a computer wizard and they can't get it back. So anytime the devil tries to play it back for you, you just say, it's deleted. It is deleted. It's gone. So in saying all that, I want you to understand that makes you righteous. You should never walk around like this. You should never walk around with your head hung down. You are a representative of the Lord. And you should always walk with your head up and your shoulders up. 
not in pride and not cocky, but you are a representative of the Lord. We are the king's kids, and we're kings and priests ourselves. And we should always be able to stand high and stand tall. So how many righteous people do I have in here this morning? In the Old Testament, people could not talk to God for themselves. They had to go to the prophet or the anointed one or the called one of God and ask God to do things for them or pray for them, to petition to God for things. Look at this verse with me, if you would, please. Hebrews 8, 11. This is the New Testament, is it not? It says, let's see, this is in the NIV, sorry. No longer, say that word with me. No longer. When, When is that? Forever and ever, no longer, right? No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord. Because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. In other words, you can know the Lord for your very self. You can talk to the Lord for your very self. You don't have to go to uh, us as the pastor. You don't have to go to anyone to represent you to the Lord any longer. You can talk to Him straight up for yourself. But the way I grew up, you couldn't. You had to uh, do all these works and then... You had to ask someone else to ask for things for you. Well, that's not the way God set it up. We have one mediator. One person between us and God. And he's a good person. Look at this verse with me. 1 Timothy 2.5. King James, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. The Message Bible says it this way, and I really liked it. 1 Timothy 2.5. There is one God, only one, and one priest mediator between God and us, Jesus Now, we were in California one time doing Holy Ghost meetings. This was when Keith was like, oh, this was probably back in 1986, 7, 8, something like that. It's been a little while. And if you know anything about the L.A. Convention Center, you'll know that the floor in there is suspended and it doesn't, it's not concrete like this, but it's suspended on something. And it bounces a little. It has movement to it. And it's a huge building. It's huge. It's got, it's probably got 
four auditoriums this size at least, and then a bunch of little rooms. It's huge. Well, we were having a Holy Ghost meeting in there back then. And we were singing and we were shouting and miracles were happening. I remember that specific night, uh, somebody had a, a big growth disappear and somebody's arm uh, was frozen up and it, it released and just lots of things were happening. And the people just were going wild because it was so miraculous, the things that were happening that night. And um, they were jumping and dancing and shouting. And um, all of a sudden, I was standing on the platform um, I forget who was speaking at the time. We were doing it. It was a little bit different service, and several of us were speaking at the time. Scott and Janet, were you all there? Yes? No. And um, they were speaking, and for some reason I was up here on the platform standing here, and Keith and David, I think, were up there at the podium, I think, doing something. I don't remember. And I was standing there, and all of a sudden the doors were about as far as ours in the back there, and there was this big guy, he came in the back and he was just stomping and waving his hands and he was headed toward the front and I thought, oh no, what is going on, you know? So I just got off the platform and went to the back and he was yelling at the top of his lungs. This is what he was yelling. You must stop what you're doing. I thought, why must we stop what we're doing? We're having miracles in here. Our gods are falling off the altar. I said, excuse me? I was really dumb about that stuff at the time. I had just been saved a few years, well, ten maybe. I didn't know all the different denominations and how they did things, you know. I was raised in one, and we weren't really asked to go out and search out other denominations. So, I said, excuse me, I don't understand. He said, come here. I went into the next room, which was kind of, if you would just have this room and another one adjoining out those side doors. It was just kind of like a, one of those sliding panel doors between us. I went in there, and I kid you not, they were stacked. It was like a step up, stacked this way, and then this, and then this, and then you, you can see what I'm talking about, right? And then down. And they had a God on this lower one. And a God on the next one, and the big God on the top one, and then one on the next one going down, and one on the bottom one here. And the one on the top fell off and hit the floor. And the people were freaking because their God fell off the altar. And I said, I am so sorry, sir, that we've interrupted your service. And your God fell off the altar. Can we help put him back? (laughs) I said, but our God didn't fall off the altar. And we're having miracles over here. You're welcome to join us. But we didn't make them too happy. You don't want to offend anybody. But that's the way God is. He is the only God. And He does not need anybody to help you. He doesn't need a statue. 
He doesn't need a fixture. He doesn't need another person. He needs nobody to be able to get to you. He needs nothing. He is very big. He doesn't need 26 people to be able to explain things to you. I think about Brother Hagin. And I think about how he got healed. All of his minister pastors, he was a 16-year-old boy on a bed, paralyzed, and couldn't walk, and dying. Congestive heart, heart failure. They gave him no chance of living whatsoever, and said he was going to die. And so he called for the, pre, the pastors around his area, and uh, they said, oh, just get him ready. Nothing about healing, just get him ready to go. He's losing his mind, just get him ready to go. And he found one verse in the Bible and went directly to God with it himself and got healed. And got healed. And what did his ministry do for people around the world? And I think about Brother Oral Roberts. He didn't have anybody lay hands on him. God spoke to him directly and healed him of tuberculosis. And how many people has he ministered to through his lifetime? He didn't need a single person. Just the Lord and him could do it all by themselves. Imagine that. Just God and you can do stuff. How does that work, though? How do you get that to work? I'm not the kind of person that prays things and doesn't expect them to happen. And we'll talk about that more later on. But I like things that work. I'm a doer. I'm not a thinker. I'm a doer. So when I do something, I want to see the result of it. So when I talk to God about something, I want to know how to get it to work so that when I do it, it works. Don't you? What's the point in putting forth effort if nothing's going to work? People say, I hate ironing. Oh, no, not me, because when I get finished ironing, I see a finished product of something that looks really good. How many of you like to iron? Oh, see, uh yeah, very few hands. They went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I do. I like to do odd things. I like to do things that when you're finished with them, you see a good-looking finished product. Well, we have one mediator between us and God. The man, Christ Jesus. Now, all through your life, there's been people that's told you, in order to get into this thing, you got to know somebody. Like if you wanted to go... To the ball at the White House. Or if you wanted to go to a certain event and get a ticket. Or if you wanted to get into this certain kind of country club. Or if you wanted to get into this social thing, you'd have to know somebody, right? Or if you wanted to get a job at this very big company and they're not hiring, what would you have to do? Be good if you knew somebody, right? 
It's all about in this world about who you know. I know not too long ago when, what was it? That, that, did they have a hurricane again? I forget. What did we send that relief down to New Orleans about where we sent Greg and those guys? Was it a hurricane again or just a tropical storm or something? I can't remember. Anyway, um, Jesse and Kathy had set up a relief thing at their site and uh, we loaded up, I can't remember, even three or four U-Haul trucks full of stuff and sent it down to Jesse and Kathy's when that happened. Well, we sent a couple of representatives down there for us. Now, Jesse and Kathy did not know them at all. They probably never met any one of the three or four, however many went. But say one of the guy's names is Greg. Say Greg pulls up and he says, Hi, my name is Greg, and I'm here with the stuff from Brother Moore. Brother Moore sent me. I'm here on his behalf with this stuff. Then Jesse would know. He'd look in the trucks and he'd see, and he'd see it was organized, and he'd see the list, and he'd see the guys, and he'd say, Yep, that looks just like Brother Keith. And he'd accept it. But now, if these guys showed up and they had these trucks and they were trashed out and everything in the trucks had been gone through and it was trash and it was junk and the guys looked like I don't know what. And they come out of there and they was just a cussing and like a sailor and they'd come up there and they'd say, Hey, man, what you doing? Here's some stuff. And they just threw it on the ground. Said, Keith said, leave that. Would Jesse really think that was from Keith? Would you reckon he'd pick up the phone and say, Brother Keith, some guys just said you sent some stuff down here. Would he question whether it was Keith or not? Have you ever been in a situation that you had to get into a place or do something and it was because of who you knew? You had favor because of somebody that you knew. Well, the reason Jesus came the reason Jesus came was so that when you ask God to forgive you if you missed it today if you miss it tomorrow if you miss it this afternoon if you miss it next week, if you miss it next month, is so that when you say, Father, forgive me. I messed up. He has someone sitting at his, what? Right hand. Saying, forgive him, Father. I bought that for him. Thank you, Lord. Forgive them, Father. It doesn't matter what they did. Forgive them, Father. I already paid the price for it. I bought their ticket. I paid the price. I did it for them. It's done. Jesus did it for you. He is the one that took care of it for you. He fixed it for you. 
He bought your righteousness. So in doing that, God said this. Hebrews 4.15 For we, King James, have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us, read this next part with me. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, why can you and I come boldly to God's throne? Are y'all here? Why can we come boldly to God's throne? Because of who we know. It's only because of who we know. It's only because of who we know that's sitting there. It's not because of anything you did, but it is because of who we know that is sitting there. I'm with Him. Father, I'm with Him. You try to get in somewhere. My daddy always says, tell them my name. And pay cash. (laughs) And that's kind of how it is with the Lord. Listen to that verse in the Amplified. The first part of it. It says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently. Maybe you had an affair yesterday. Maybe you stole something yesterday. Maybe you cheated the IRS yesterday. Maybe you talked back to your mama yesterday. Maybe you did something that condemned you in your heart yesterday. We repented a few minutes ago. So this verse is talking to you. And it says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne. That means it doesn't matter what you did, because of what Jesus did, he's sitting right there. How many of you have kids? Okay? Grandkids or anything like that. Have you ever been in a situation where the kids were a little bit timid to do something, but because you were there, they just came strutting up Because daddy was there, they weren't afraid at all. But the minute daddy left, it was kind of like... Well, big brother's sitting there. And your daddy's sitting there. And we should be able to go fearlessly to that throne ourselves. 
and ask God for whatever it is that we need. Confidently and boldly. No matter what we need, if it's healing, if it's finances, if it's wisdom, if it's grace, if it's whatever we need, we can go directly to him and say, God, thank you. I love you. With no condemnation of sin. Because he doesn't remember it. The biggest problem you're going to have is getting that delete button to work in your head. Because your memory will keep playing it back and playing it back and playing it back. But you just have to tell that devil, hush, shut up, hush. And come fearlessly and boldly to the throne of grace. Look at verse um, uh, 416 in the Message Bible. This says it really good. It says, so let's, that's talking to all of us. Let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take mercy and accept help. Now, I know you're wondering why I keep saying you have to have Jesus. I will prove it to you. Let me show you. Look at this verse for me, if you will. Let's see where it is. Um, I know it's here somewhere. Um, John 16:23. John 16:23. And in that day, everybody get it so you can see it for yourself. This is King James. And in that day is talking about now after Jesus has gone and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. He's talking to the disciples and he's telling them, In the day of today, when I'm already seated at the right hand of the Father, you shall ask me nothing. We don't ask Jesus for anything. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I, Jesus, say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Why? Why? Because He already bought it for you. He already paid for it. He already bought it for you. And he's seated right there at the Father's right hand saying, God, I already paid for that for him. Father, get it for him. They asked it in my name. But what happens is people don't do it. 
They just, they do what the next verse says. They do this. Matthew 6, 7. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. The Amplified says, And when you pray, do not heap up phrases or multiply words or repeat those same ones over and over and over as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their much speaking. I've been around long enough to know if something happens... Just this week, we had three supernatural miracles happen in people's lives. I mean, the people were supposed to be dead or totally paralyzed. And by the next day, I mean, it it was miraculous. I mean, supernatural miraculous. And I know you can't always get it in a testimony and people telling you, but it was miraculous. But what happens so many times in people's lives is, say something happens to Carrie. People think... This. Okay, something happened to her. So this is what Rob does. Okay, he calls me. He says, pray. Then he calls, well, if one's good for one to pray, maybe it's good for two to pray. Maybe it's good for three to pray. Maybe it's good for 56 to pray. Maybe it's good for 500 to pray. See how quiet it got? Do you know what? It only takes one person to pray in faith to get an answer. And what's happening today is people are not having any confidence in their prayer. So they're going to this person and 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 they're hoping this one might pray in faith and they're hoping this one might pray and maybe this one would and maybe, maybe God would hear somebody's prayer and help me. Prayer is not hocus-pocus. And it's not putting a lot of raffle tickets in a drawer and drawing one out and maybe you get the right answer. Prayer is when you go to the Father. Give me those two chairs right there. Rob, Dan, grab them. See how quick y'all can move. Y'all move faster than that. Y'all taking up my time. Come on. Set them on the steps right there so you can see them. One right next to the other. Put one at the right side. Okay? Sit in that one, Rob. Sit in that one, Dan. Uh Uh-huh. Public. Public. Mm -hmm. Cherie, come up here. She goes, oh, Lord. I could read her lips. Ask the Father for something like you're supposed to. Nobody even needs to hear you. Just ask Him. Okay? Rob is the Father. Dan is Jesus. Yeah, just ask Him. Okay, so she asked the Father something. What does the Son do? The devil's here. You can't have that. You messed up. You can't have that. Do you know you talked about them? You cannot have that. Get away from them. You can't have that. Get away from them. You did that yesterday. I know you did. Yes, you did. I heard you. I saw saw you when you did it. 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 
And that's all he has to tell him. Father, she's innocent. Give it to her. And the father reaches out his hands and gives it to her. Now, how many more people does it take to do that? Those two sitting right there and that person. Because whatever she has done is clean. And he knows that. And he is her ticket. She goes up and she says, hey, big bro. How's it going today? Give me five, bro. Hey, dad, I need a new car. I wrecked mine three times, dad. Yeah, I wasn't listening. I was texting anyway. You told me not to. But I did it anyway. You're forgiven. No, I did. I repented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, new car. Thank you. Thank you. I needed that car to go to work. Yeah. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. God is not trying to withhold things from you. He is the greatest parent in the whole wide world. And no parent wants to punish their kid continuously. They want it over more than the kid wants it over. They don't want to just see their kid going like this all the time. Because they feel condemned. They want to deal with it and move on. So say they wrecked their car 62 times. God would say, I don't remember all that. All he'd say was, yeah, you sowed seed for a car. Here's a car. This one's better than the one you had. Hey, stop that texting. You could hurt somebody. They ain't saved yet. Right? And I didn't have to call her and her and him and her and her and him and him. All I had to do was say, Father, I'm asking you. Got to have a car. I know I messed up and I repented, Father, but thank you. I received my new car, Father. Jesus says, Yeah, Dad. Yep. And Dad gives it to me. Because I went in Jesus' name. I went on his behalf because of what he did for me. I'm not good enough to be there. But because he is there, he gives me every right to enter in there. Because he's there. And it doesn't matter what you did. It It doesn't matter how many times you did it. It doesn't matter if you did it every day since the day you were saved. The minute that you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you need healing, thank you guys. If you need healing, what do you do? You receive it. You don't let the devil condemn you out of it. You don't even really have to ask for it. It's yours. If you need a new car, if you need a new house, you talk to the Father about it. And you ask it. You always end up your prayer in what? Why do you say it in Jesus' name? 
Because he's the one that already paid for whatever the car cost. It doesn't matter how much your new house cost. Somebody already paid for it. It doesn't matter how much your new outfit cost. It's paid for. He paid for everything you need. He became poor so that you could be rich. He became sin so that you could be He became sick so you could be The chastisement of our peace was upon him so that we could have peace. And all of that was on Jesus. So it's all paid for. So it is all in who you know. It's all in who you know. Don't try to enter into the throne room without knowing Jesus. He's your ticket in. He's your way in. He's the gold ticket. He's the only way. And you can receive anything you need through Him. Alone, by yourself. The prayer of agreement does work. And the reason that you have the prayer of agreement is because if you are weak in faith, it does work. But it is not necessary for you to receive something from the Father. You can go directly to Him. Try it out. The Word talks about try me. Prove me herewith. Don't go out and try it on something. What happens is your your faith is the determining factor. You can only ask for things that you have the faith to stand and believe for. I know when Keith and I first started in this stuff, this was back in the 70s, we heard some teaching along these lines. And we asked for, we were so far underneath the barrel. We didn't have clothes. We lived in a 1969 Marriott mobile home with no insulation that the water in the toilet would freeze in the wintertime in Mississippi. Now that's bad. The stove didn't work. The oven didn't work. Nothing in the kitchen worked. It was such an old trailer. We've come a long way, baby. (laughs) And it all came from serving God. But we asked when we found out about this stuff. We asked God, give us a place to live that the stove works and the oven works. My husband likes cornbread. I had to cook it on the stove in a skillet. Give us a place to live. The car we drove, we had to come home to his grandfather's funeral and the engine blew up in the middle of a plantation 
10 miles from the nearest house. It was freezing cold, about 32 degrees, mud this deep. We had to walk to the nearest house that told us they didn't have a phone. Go to the other one. And you could see the phone sitting on the table. So we were believing for a house. We were believing for a car. We were believing for clothes. We were believing for everything we had. And we went years without them. And one day, Keith was in prayer school. This was probably, gosh, I wish he were here. I would ask him. Probably five years later. And he says, Lord, now that I've been around faith stuff, several years more. And now that I've been around the things of God a little bit longer, he was in the floor praying in prayer school. He said, for what I do know about faith now and what I do know about you now, I think we were in faith when, we, when she and I agreed and asked. Why didn't that happen? Again, we're not accustomed to our prayers not getting answered. Why didn't that happen? And this is what the Lord told him. He said, Keith. Now, he didn't hear an audible voice. He just knew it in his spirit. He said, Keith, for where you and her were at the time, just finding out about me and finding out about my word and finding out about faith, you asked big. You didn't just ask me for $10 or a new suit or a new pair of shoes. You asked big. You asked for a new house and a new car. That's big. So when you ask big, you need to be prepared. Didn't say you'd have to. This is exactly the way the Lord said it to him. Didn't say you'd have to, but you need to be prepared to stand long. Well, of course you need to know my husband. He said, why, Lord? And the Lord answered him. He said, because in this world where the money comes from, you're dealing with people. And people don't always obey me as readily as they should. And I like to give people opportunities. And I like to have mercy on them. And let things go as long as I can so that they can be blessed. So therefore, sometimes your answers take longer than they should. On financial things. And I think that's a wonderful thing because I'm a merciful person. If you're going to get the blessing and God's wanting to use you and he's wanting you to use your faith to get the money to sow it, well, Lord, do it as long as I can possibly do without it. But, he said, Keith, don't lose heart. Pick up where you left off. Don't throw your faith away. Faith never dies. Believing in me never dies. Pick up where you left off in faith that day and start believing me again. And it will come to pass. It was not a month, two months. A man walked up to me at my work. 
And he said this. He said, the Lord put it on my heart to buy you a new car. I said, what? I had never seen that happen before in my life. You don't ever know how things that God's going to do is going to happen. He said, go and pick out whatever you want, and I'll pay for it. I'll pay for the insurance. I'll pay for the tag. I'll pay for anything you want. I thought, you have got to be kidding me. I went home, and I told Keith, and you know what he said? Get your purse. We went out and bought, well, I know how long it was now, now that I'm calculating. He finished school in 1982, so he had to be in prayer school praying in 1982. This was a 1986 Buick Riviera. Brand spanking new on the showroom floor. It was when they first came out with those touch screens on a car. It was beautiful. I drove it off the showroom floor into the snow. (laughs) Totally paid for. No one knew in the whole wide world that Keith and I had asked God for that. Not another living soul knew that we had asked God for that. That is when you enjoy receiving things. That you didn't try to hoodwink this one or or sway this one or throw something out there or make them think something or try to twist them or try to shyster them. Only you and your father knew. That's all it takes for you to get your answers. It's who you know. Know Jesus and talk to your father. Can you say amen? amen? Stand up with me. Just. How many of you in here have been believing for things and you turn loose of your faith on something? You've been believing for it and it's been a long time. See, that was 82, 81 or 82 when he was in, in prayer school. So that's 83, 84, 85, 86 You know, years and years can go on and you'll totally forget about it. How many of you actually have turned loose of your faith, believing for houses or cars or buildings or marriages or or kids or whatever it is? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Every one of us has done it. I I tell you all my sad stories. (laughs) Grab it up just like you're picking up a box or a suitcase and put it back in your heart. And stir yourself up in faith and go to the Father and say, Father, Father, Father. I'm picking it up. I'm going to stand till it comes to pass. Because you never, ever, never, ever, ever, ever let anybody down when they're believing you. And I believe that. And I receive it now. Now just thank you. Thank you, 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 Lord. We're going to receive everything from you. 
because you've already paid the price for us, Jesus. Thank you for doing that for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. You guys got something you can sing, Mr. Parker? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. A brand new creation in Him. I can now approach the presence of God with no condemnation of sin. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am now complete in Him. Because you know what? You can't get answers unless you know him. So uh, pray with us a prayer, and uh, then they'll sing. We'll be dismissed, and we'll see you next week. Glory to God. Get some answers. Tell me about your answers. I want to hear people that dropped stuff and picked it back up again. I want to get the testimonies of it, okay? We love you.